continue to worship him. Lord, for you are the way maker. We have the confidence, God, in you. You are mighty to save. You are holding everything together. God, because you are a promise keeper, the light in the darkness, we have the confidence to surrender. And church, I encourage you this morning, each and everyone who's under my voice right now, who's hearing me, I encourage you to lay it all down at the feet of Jesus, to just surrender it all, to thirst for him, to long for him. For he is the only water and food that can satisfy. For he is the only thing that can fill the vacuum in our hearts and in our lives. So I tell you right now to surrender. And let this be our prayer this morning.
So, Father in heaven, we just submit our lives to you this morning. A fresh surrender to you. Your plans, may they be our plans. Our hearts, your heart. We ask that in your precious and most powerful name. Amen. Amen. Well, the Lord bless you. Why don't you just uh, turn around and if somebody's near you, just greet them. Wave at them. Let them know that you see them. Go ahead and be seated. Would you just show your appreciation for the Aurora Cornerstone Worship Band? Thank you. Again, we welcome you, and we just, again, draw attention to our canopy. There's events coming up, some exciting events taking place. In a couple of weeks, we have, again, uh, stories of recovery from addiction. It's going to be taking place at Aurora Cornerstone Church. We invite you to join us. You can find more information by going online, auroracornerstone.ca. As well as there's, if you have children, if you have youth, there's activities that are available that are starting up. And again, information can be obtained under the canopy. You can go there afterward and get some information. Uh, so we encourage you to do that. Well, we have a number of stories we want to share today. And those stories are our lives. So as we began to just reflect about what we wanted to talk about in our church in the park, we wanted to start off with a family. How many here remember back to 2004, December, when we got word in the area and region of Sri Lanka of that horrible tsunami? How many remember that event? Remember that? That was horrific. I remember actually the first night after watching news clips. I had a hard time sleeping. I just couldn't believe what had taken place. Many lives were lost. We have a family here that are survivors of the tsunami, and so I'm going to invite them just to come here in a moment. Evan Russell, Kern, Naomi Newman, and daughter Onella, born Sri Lanka, born into a Catholic home, they would later give their lives to Jesus Christ. They would feel God's calling them to be evangelist Christians. 18 years ago, while living in Sri Lanka, they would experience a miracle that would change their lives forever. So I'm going to invite you. Would you welcome Russell, Naomi, and Onella? Come on up. Good morning. Um, as, to, as Pastor Wayne mentioned, um, my name is Onella. This is my dad, Evan, and my mom, Naomi. Um, I'm going to be helping my dad read his testimony today, so I'm going to start it off, and he's going to end it off. Okay. The following that I am blessed enough to share with you today is my testimony from the deadly tsunami that took place on December 26, 2004, in Asia more specifically, Sri Lanka, and how God saved my family and myself. Christmas and New Year's time was a time we always spent together as a family with our in-laws, 
However, that year felt different to me. After spending a few days with my wife Naomi's family, I felt this urge to go back to our own city and drop my daughter and wife at home. As, and I usually would never leave my wife and daughter at home alone, especially during Christmas. This was very unusual for me, but I felt I had to. My wife, daughter, and the Newmans, my wife's family, were very upset with me, as they couldn't understand why I no longer wanted them to stay. However, that night we all got into our family van and I dropped them off at home. I had to go back to where my in-laws were living to drop them off again, and I was to come back on December 26th to my wife and daughter. But I didn't know what lied ahead of me. After driving back to drop off my in-laws, I spent the night at their home. The next morning, my father-in-law woke me up to go to the market to get newspaper. So myself, my father-in-law, and my two brothers-in-law left home. On our way to the junction, there was a lot of traffic, which was not usual at that time. I saw people running towards oncoming traffic, screaming and crying. The sea is coming. The sea is coming. I didn't understand what they meant, and I thought that there was a regular market brawl or one of the cattle escaped. I put my car window down and asked one of the people what was happening. He said again, the sea is coming. You should run. I still didn't believe him. I didn't understand. The next moment, I felt my car moving. Then all of a sudden, I looked out my window, and I saw this huge wave, almost 35 feet high, coming at us. I didn't have time to move, or think, or speak. I was so shocked. Before I could turn back at my father-in-law and brothers-in-law, the big wave hit me, and I was thrown out of my car window. I felt my head and body being knocked around and dragged through the ground. The feel of the water pressure was so heavy, and it weighed me down so much I couldn't even swim or breathe. I thought for sure I was going to die there. I could feel bodies rush past me underneath the water, and heavy metal from the vehicles and local hardware stores. The water just kept building and building on top of me. And I couldn't believe what was happening. All of a sudden, my head got stuck underneath a concrete slab, and I couldn't move at all. My body was moving in all directions through the water, through the water currents, but my head was stuck underneath the cement slab. At this time, because I knew I was going to die for sure, I prayed. I prayed and I said, God, I am struggling to save my life. I can't breathe. I'm going to die. Jesus, please help me. If you really want to use me, then please save me. There's more I need to do. I could feel myself becoming un unconscious and I was 99.9% .9 going to die. As soon as I said his name, that concrete slab burst into pieces. At that time, the water pressure also slowed down, and I was able to swim up. I saw a light, and I thought, okay, that's the sun. I'm going to swim towards it. As soon as I reached the top, I saw a coconut tree, and I grabbed onto it so tight, still out of breath. I couldn't believe what had just happened. And in total shock, I held on to that tree, thanking God, and I didn't let that tree go. The water levels slowly started to decrease, and I started sliding down from the tree from the top. As soon as I reached the bottom, I started to look for my family. I could see dead people everywhere, little children's bodies floating. It reminded me of my little daughter at the time. I walked through dirt, 
scrap metal, water, mud, and many more things. I cut my leg open and I was very injured. I even fell into a well again. There were a lot of wells around that area. And I had to swim back up. I walked towards where my car was and it was completely destroyed. I looked inside and I found what was my cross hanging from my rear view mirror. I still have that cross as a reminder of that day. And actually I hang it in my car now. As I walked towards our home, which was no longer there, I saw some, uh, some more people ho holding onto trees. One man shouted, brother, run, another wave is coming. But I thought at that moment, God, I have no life in me to run. At that time, I remember the Bible verse from Matthew 17:20 about faith. If ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be mountain unto you. I prayed to him once again. After that, I just sat down where I was because I couldn't run. I gave up. Will you believe that that second wave never came? There was no wave at all. Instead, I felt ice-cold water touch my foot. That wave disappeared and the tsunami had ended. I couldn't believe it. God saved me so much that day. I was able to find my two brothers-in-law in hospitals. They say safe and healthy. But unfortunately, the rest of my family, my wife's family, passed away. I see today why I had had the feeling to drop my wife and her daughter at our home. They would possibly not be able to survive in the tsunami. I could have lost them too. So they are with me right now. I'm very grateful for this. It was only God that saves me that day. And every day I'm faithful to him. So at this moment I'll give you glory to the God, the most high God. I thank you Lord for you saving me and my family. In Jesus' name I pray. shows God's protection and sovereign hand. Um, so the next testimony was supposed to be John Hamilton, and unfortunately he's under the weather today. So I have uh, the honor of uh, reading his testimony today. I grew up in a Christian family. My parents loved God and tried to do what they knew best. I was five years old when my biological father left our family. We now know that this was due to severe mental health issues. At first, he'd visit regularly and take us to the mall or to spend time with our grandparents. But quickly, these visits became less and less until we rarely saw or heard from him at all. My mom always prayed that me and my siblings would hear the voice of God. My grandma covered us in prayer continually. I know that throughout my teens and, tw and 20s that God was always protecting me and trying to get my attention, but I, wouldn't, I wasn't ready to listen. Although I grew up in a Christian family and went to church twice on Sundays and often during the week, I didn't have a relationship with God. I just did whatever my parents did because that's what they expected. I was sexually assaulted twice before I was 10. I felt as though it was my fault. I didn't tell anyone about what happened. 
Mom remarried when I was 10, and her new husband Greg adopted me and my four siblings as his own. He made us feel loved and wanted. He spent quality time with each of us and helped us understand what a father was supposed to really look like. Just a quick note, when you hear me talk about my dad from this point on, it's Greg. My biological father was no longer in the picture. When I was 11, I was introduced to witchcraft from friends at school. After that experience, I became more interested in the form of this form of supernatural realm. I spent more time exploring this on my own, and it seemed so inviting. It became my own little secret. Later on that year, my siblings and I got to spend a week visiting my biological parents, my grandparents. The following weekend, my grandpa died of a heart attack. I blame myself. I believe the lie that me and my siblings had stressed out our grandpa during our visit. This was the first person in my family to leave me since my biological dad. I began to feel depressed. This is the first time I experienced suicidal thoughts. I planned on multiple ways just to end my life, but never followed through with it for fear of one of my sisters finding me. By the time I was 13, I was introduced to pornography. While watching a movie, I quickly realized that sexually explicit images were everywhere. Anytime I felt anxiety, it gave me a quick escape. It followed me for a good 20 years, destroying everything in its path. In high school, I was constantly bullied. The suicidal thoughts continued, and I often wanted to just end my life. At the age of 15, I was sexually assaulted again. This left me feeling numb again, and I blamed myself. This time, I found the courage to tell my dad. He made me feel safe and reassured me that it wasn't my fault. I started smoking cigarettes to numb the anxiety I felt. I wanted so badly to fix it. Smoking seemed to make my peers accept me. In my early 20s, I began an unhealthy, long-distance relationship, and eight months later, I was married. I instantly moved away from my support system of family and friends. Instead of ending my life, I ran away. Getting married also gave me an escape from anything to do with God. I lived a life of bad choices, and I knew that my parents would consider it wrong. This began three years of drugs, witchcraft, a lot of self-hate, ending with divorce and attempted suicide. My new father-in-law was a practicing shaman. The more I learned about witchcraft, the more depressed and lost I felt. I believed that no one loved me or cared that I was alive, not even my parents or my new family. In the middle of all this, I was still attending church once in a while. People kept on inviting us to come to church with them on Sunday. They asked enough times that we went just to get them off our backs. We'd usually only go once or twice and then make excuses. About a year after I had gotten married, a new church plant opened in town and we kept hearing about it. We went reluctantly again, mostly to get our friend off our back. That Sunday, I received a word of knowledge from the pastor who called me out in a room full of people. God was reaching out through this pastor, telling me that I was loved and accepted by God. I just felt too broken to accept it. This did, however, make me feel seen, so I started attending church almost every week. Sometimes something kept drawing me back. Looking back, I now know that this was God. I began living a double life. On Sundays, I'd be on my best behavior. Then I'd walk out of the church doors and continue doing drugs, partying, and exploring more about witchcraft. 
Meanwhile, my relationship with God that started on rocky ground continued to fall apart. Ultimately, my first marriage ended in divorce. This was not how I thought my life would look at 26. How did I get here? The end of my marriage reinforced the lie that no one loved me and no one would care if I was gone. I made up my mind to commit suicide. I overdosed on pills and started walking toward the highway where I planned to take my life. My mother-in-law found me and took me to the hospital. I called my parents for the first time after months of no contact. I was expecting them to be angry with me since the last time we'd spoken. I told them that I didn't want to have anything more to do with them. Instead, my dad's immediate response was, I'm coming to get you. Once back in London, I moved in with my sister and her three-year-old son. I felt rejected and alone, even though I was now surrounded by family. I reconnected with an old friend who was a pastor. He began walking with me as I processed the pain of a broken marriage with no hope of reconciliation. He encouraged me to seek counseling, which I did by choice because anything was better than the pain I felt in that moment. A few months later, I had a vision of seeing Jesus. He told me that he loved me and forgave me for everything and that nothing else mattered. That all the bad decisions that I made didn't matter to him, but that he loved me for who I am and accepted me for me. I didn't have to do anything to or be the perfect Christian to gain his love and acceptance. This encounter changed me. I decided to give my life to God. I had hit rock bottom and knew that I needed him to help me to get out of all the mess. Since that moment, I've never experienced suicidal thoughts or have had any desire to get involved with witchcraft. Over time, Holy Spirit has helped me change everything else. I quit using drugs and stopped smoking. I started attending a church and found people who would pray with me and believe in me. I started reading my Bible and began to understand what having a relationship with God really meant. God has restored relationships with my parents, grandparents, and siblings. He's blessed me with a beautiful wife, in-laws, and church family who love me and support me. My identity is now rooted in who God says I am. Since giving my life to God, things haven't always been easy, but now I have more hope for my future. I'm definitely not the perfect Christian, but I'm committed to growing in my relationship with God and allowing Him to change me. So if you hear anything from my story, you can trust that God is full of love and forgiveness. We're never too far gone. God will always redeem every situation if we surrender and ask him to forgive us. That's tremendous. And uh, thank you, John. He's probably watching because, again, he's under the weather today, but he's probably watching live stream, listening to his own testimony at that. What a story. I want to introduce our next country gospel singer, Shirley Simpson. And uh, by the way, we were just talking about this. She's coming off of a concert last night. So both her and Daniel are, um, are, are fresh off of a concert, big concert that took place down in the city. Uh, we have a concert we're going to be doing. She has offered to do a fundraising concert for Aurora Cornerstone Ministries coming up on the first Saturday of November. So on November the 5th, and so this is kind of a preview, I'm just promoting this, there are flyers available, there are tickets available, and this is a fundraiser, $25, a fundraiser 
to uh, this concert. She'll be presenting a full concert with the Aurora Cornerstone Band as well. And so we want you to get promotions out in the days ahead for this. But let me just give a little bit of a bio and then she's going to come. She's going to minister a couple of songs and then share her story. Shirley is the second of eight children who, after turning her life over to serving the Lord Jesus, began to sing for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Evangelist Shirley Simpson has produced recordings entitled Reflections, We Belong, Draw Me Close, Don't Tell Me, Show Me, of, of which some of her songs were God is Standing By, Lord Send Your Angels, Grenada, Don't Cry, Rock of Ages, and Until the Storm Passes Over. Her newest single, He Makes the Day. She has sung in multiple church settings, the Apollo Theater in New York, 100 Huntley Street, last night at Revival Time Tabernacle, is that right? Revival Time Tabernacle in Pickering. And again, on November the 5th, she will be joining us here in Aurora at Cornerstone. Evangelist Simpson is no stranger to heartache and pain, having narrowly escaped death after the birth of her son, she underwent four major surgeries, never losing faith, and she declared what the devil meant for harm, God has turned it for good. Would you welcome Evangelist Shirley Simpson?
I remember laying on the bed in the hospital on the fifth surgery, and uh, the lady that was with me called my friend, who took seven days off her work to babysit David and Daniel. And when I called, I heard Daniel crying. He was four years old. And I was so weak, I said, honey, what's wrong? And he said, I want my mom. I just laid on that bed, and I, the tears just ran up my eyes. I couldn't pray then. I was too weak. And so no wonder I believe pray in season and other season. And all I could have done was look there and say, Rock of Ages, let me hide myself in thee. My tummy today, on the inside, it is not stitched, it's still open. Only the skin on my outside is stitched together. What's holding me is a mesh from this end to that end. Yet, I never held a note in my singing as long as I do now that I'm broken. So for our beloved brothers that went through surviving Sri Lanka, and to a brother, beautiful brother whose testimonies were just read, Sometimes we see people and we don't know what they're going through. Take a moment and show love. Amen? The anchor.
church, wasn't it? Thank you. Be seated. The Simpsons. <laughs> uh, you know, that was a great song. Thank you for closing with that one. Yesterday, a sad occasion, we, um, some of you know Lois Toman, part of our congregation. Uh, she went to be with the Lord just a couple of weeks ago. I did the funeral yesterday. And uh, when I was talking to the family, asking what do you is there a scripture is there something in particular and and they said just just talk about heaven just talk about heaven and so i i talked all about heaven and because she was homesick and she is with the lord absent from the body is present with the lord for those who love the lord i just want to wrap up what we've been sharing you have been hearing a number of stories between the amazing story of god's rescue for a family in Sri Lanka, to the story of God's journey through addictions, to the story of him being there in the midst of pain. There's a scripture, and the scripture I wanted to give is 1 John chapter 5, verse 4, and it says this, This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. I just want to close with that thought here this morning. That the world, I mean, when you think about the world, this is the victory that has overcome the world. The world has good and the world has bad. This world has both. The good in this world, well, I'm thankful for a nice morning. Amen. I just was enjoying myself. I could feel a nice little breeze, and we didn't have to have it from fans on the ceiling. A nice little breeze. Now, however, there's a few bees, but if we can get past the bees, then there's a nice breeze. And we are here in God's wonderful creation. He has given us a beautiful planet, his natural planet that he's given us. There's some blessings in life. 
the blessings of animals. I'm seeing people walking their dogs. I'm looking at squirrels running around. The animals, butterflies. Okay, the bees and mosquitoes. I don't know where they quite fit into that. But God has given some good. He's given us love. This world, there's a demonstration of love where you can experience relationship with each other, emotions, connecting, sharing with each other. It's wonderful to sit, to talk, and to share, to eat together. Oh, there's another good thing. Food. Food is good. And uh, we're going to be enjoying the goodness of food here in just a few minutes. But who doesn't enjoy food? The pleasures, games. Again, we're going to be enjoying a game of softball here in just a few minutes and other games and uh, times of pleasure between one another and entertainment, family and friends, siblings, children, grandchildren, let's hear it for grandchildren, for grandchildren, for loved ones. Of course, we enjoy our Father in Heaven. We enjoy God, the power of His forgiveness, having forgiven us of our sins, all of our sins. We have been loved, and we walk in love, and we walk in new identity and fellowship with Him. There's a lot of good, but let me say this. We know there's a lot of bad as well. Sin. Sin. Sickness. War. Hatred. Tragedies. We've heard about the tragedies today. Disease. Suffering. Hostility. Addictions. And on we go. I shared this yesterday, that at many funerals I will share that on the day you were born, you were basically given two certificates. You were issued a birth certificate, but you also had a death certificate too. Guaranteed one day, we will have a day of reckoning. And so I come back to this scripture. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. First John chapter 2. So do not love the world, for the world and its desires will pass away. They will go. But the scripture says this is the victory that has overcome the world, has overcome sickness and sin, disease, tragedy, death, hostility, hatred, addictions. None of those will last. Those are now, but those are not forever. We feel they are forever, but they are not forever. It says they will pass away. We could triumph. We can triumph in Christ today. We can triumph in Christ for eternity. Romans chapter 8 says, In all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. We are, not will be. Today, we walk as conquerors in the midst of. And the scripture here says, This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. What does that mean? We put faith in a lot of things. When you sat down in your chairs, you put faith in that chair. We put faith in our vehicle that's going to drive us from here to there. We put faith in people and relationships and contracts. We put faith in a lot of things. You get on a plane. You put faith in somebody. You probably never met them. You have a lot of faith. We put our faith in a lot of things. But this is faith in God. That he is able and willing. And so we place our faith in something that is outside our natural senses. I saw a show a little while ago, and I didn't like their definition. They said faith is believing in something that's not there. That's not true. My five senses don't pick up on a lot of stuff in this world. 
just to believe only in your five senses is to not have faith. Faith is placing our trust in our Savior, placing our trust in God who has made us. It's faith in Him. So the victory to overcome the world is our faith. And then it says, and who overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. There's where our faith needs to rest. And so I invite you today, as you've heard the stories, all of the stories, the common link, is they've placed their faith in Jesus Christ, God's Son, who loves us. He is not here to judge. He is here to demonstrate He loves us. And He desires a relationship with us. I invite you today to open your hearts to that relationship, to experience the God of the stories we just have spoken and have sung. Those are the testimonies of lives that have encountered Jesus Christ. And so the invitation is for you. If you don't know Christ, if you've not opened your heart in faith to him, this is that which overcomes the world, faith in Christ Jesus. We encourage you, if you want to talk more, you can talk to myself. You can talk to Pastor Brett. He was the one who read the story on behalf of John. You can talk to Evangelist Shirley or, or Daniel. We invite you to talk to us and to come and to hear continued stories of what God has done and continues to do. They continue to unravel in our midst. Let's pray together. So, Father in heaven, we give you thanks. We give you glory. We give you honor. I'm going to invite the worship team to come on back up. So, Father, we just give you our lives. As we sang that song a moment ago, I surrender to you. And so, Lord, our lives are lives of surrender to you, of submission to you. And, God, this day we declare that text to be true. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. So, Lord, we place faith in you, our lives to be surrendered to Jesus Christ. Thank you, God, for so great a salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're going to just close with one song. I'm going to come back up at the end and let you know a little bit about what's going to happen with regarding food and fun. So that's going to be following here in just a few moments. But uh, we wanted to just close our time to sing together and uh, just to worship the Lord. So um, uh, are you ready, Daniel? We're ready. Would you join in standing? Let's sing this together.
Mel lost another one. I just was going to stay down in case Mel was going to lose another one. Praise God. Well, here's the instructions. Uh, burgers are ready, so you will come on up here. Make your way on up here. Go right to the front, so just around the corner, right to the front. There's water. There's plates. Pick up your plates and buns. The burgers are on the warming trays. If you want a burger, pick up a burger. There's utensils. Make your way down. Make sure there's room for people behind you. Then there's a table with salads and I think probably desserts. Please don't start with the desserts. Salads first. You know, Mom told you salads first. So salads first, then the desserts later. Come back up for desserts. They'll still be there. And, uh, and then go back to your chairs. There's some picnic tables around. You can join the picnic tables. Maybe introduce yourself to somebody you don't know and uh, just make a new friend today. So hope that you can do that. So let's pray for the food. Lord, we thank you for the food that we're about to receive. Lord, strengthen our bodies with it. Bless all the hands that prepared it. Lord, we just thank you for this day. Indeed, God, we have much to give thanks for this day. And so we give you all the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen.